Okay, so we didn't get the first five minutes. Uh, people missed. Don't get advice about your kids from people with kids or without kids. Because all kids are different, and trying to apply what works for one kid on another kid is not going to work. Yes, that, that is definitely the deep-seated and spiritually sound conclusion we came to. That is yeah. correct. We also talked about different ways to convince kids to go to mm. sleep, and we generally settled on tying it to allowance unless your kids are too young to understand the concept of long-term consequences in which case you're on your own in which case um i don't know rehypnol in the dinner or something wow rehypnol i mean chloroph chloroform's a little easier you think getting chloroform's easier than getting rehypnol i mean oh. i don't even know if we have rehypnol in australia i just know the joke about like okay so on another part <laughs> the joke about date rape <laughs> Wow. Cut that. Cut. I'm cutting oh. that. Um, okay, so on another podcast, mm-hmm. some... They, the joke about date no, rape? No. Shut up. <laughs> Let me talk. I'm not letting you cut it. I'm going to keep saying okay, it. Okay, fine. I'll leave it in there. But that's not what I meant. Okay, okay good. Go. On another podcast, I used to do user submitted intro theme songs every week. Every week, they'd have a different one. And That's cool. After the end of one of the... Th- Theme songs, someone let out a giant yawn, and they make fun of her for, like, you know, falling asleep during the guy's theme song. And it's like, well, he knew what he was doing when he wrote, like, the sleepy melody. And then they made fun of it, calling it Rohypnol Rock. Oh, my gosh. So, to me, Rohypnol is just a thing that puts you to sleep. Uh, Okay, so that's the problem. Rohypnol is the date rape drug. It will render somebody moderately conscious, but remove all of their short-term memory. See, for me, uh, that is uh, Rufalin, or Rufies. Ruf- Rufalin? What the what? How do you spell that? Uh, I have no idea. Oh. Just Google Rufies. Yeah, I know. Rufies, it's Rehypnol. Is it? R- yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know where I heard the word Rufalin, then. Me neither. It sounds made up. Flunitrazepam. Yeah, Flunitrazepam, also known as Rehypnol, among other names. I guess among other names is where we're going to find the answer here. Yeah. I wonder where I found... I heard the word Rufalin. Nope. I think you made it up. I probably did. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Google has a complete for it. Google has a complete for it. Okay. And where's it come from? It's just another... It's just another name for it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is it like a street name for it? I mean, you made it kind of sound like it was like a prescription name for it. Um... No, it just appears to be another, like, spelling or maybe an outdated version of Rehypnol. Okay. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Today I learned. Hmm, indeed. Anyway, yeah, I mean, Rehypnol is bad news. It's bad news, whereas one of my friends actually has fairly frequent minor surgical procedures based on a condition that he has. Okay. And sometimes they give him Rehypnol because the pain's going to be so bad. They're just like, we're just going to knock you out for about an hour and you won't remember anything. Okay. So have fun with that. And he's like, it just puts giant blank spots in your memory. You have no idea where you were or what happened for that period of time. It's real scary stuff. Yeah, the way I've heard some of that stuff is described as an amnesiac. It doesn't actually knock you out. It just disables your ability to create short-term memories. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah, so giving my kids Rehypnol at bedtime would not actually help me very much. No, but... Chloroform. Yeah, chloroform. Yes. Which I've heard... Oh, no, that's ether. Never mind, same thing. Well, not so. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Have you... There's a parody commercial called Naptime. Uh, okay. It's a product marketed towards parents with really unruly kids, and it's in a spray bottle. And you just spray it on the cloth and throw it over your kid's mouth, and it's nap time. <laughs> okay, I found the ad. Uh, okay, good. It's so great, because it just shows the parents that are so harried, like, they're just done. They are mm. done with life. They're done with everything. They're trying to do laundry and trying to raise kids, and they're just being absolutely insane. And it's like the most accurate portrayal of just children who are terrible I've ever seen in anything. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> How far into this are you? Uh, she just pulled a baby into a sink. That's the one. She was going to put the baby in the garbage disposal. Yeah. Oh, garbage disposal. Right. We don't have those. But instead, you just use nap time. <laughs> 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 the kids are just draped on the couch. <laughs> one of them falls off the back. It is hilarious. But man, for parents, there is an element of truth in this thing that gives it another level. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So nap time. 
Chloroform. Yep. Yep. So just in case you're ever you're ever wondering how to put your kids to bed, it's not rehypnol chloroform. I'm gonna have such a wonderful time cutting around all this. <laughs> cut cutting around what? Goodness, there's nothing to cut here. We did way more crazy stuff last week. All right. So <laughs> what I'd like to actually do in the first segment of the podcast today is last week I gave Wade homework. I sent him a list of a million songs from the 90s. I was going to send him a list of 10, and then I got carried away. So yeah. there are 19 of them instead of 10. And I said, you know what? Wade has time. He can get through this list over the next week, and he will thank me for it, because these songs are often great. <laughs> Good one. I may have been wrong based on some earlier reactions. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so what I'd like to do first is try to find if there are any songs that Wade had never heard before that he really liked on this list. No. 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 So none of these songs were new to you and you said, by golly, this has really opened my eyes. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Not no. even once. Not even once. How many of them were new to you? I'm curious of the 19. Uh, Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, eight. Yeah, about eight. Okay. So less than half, but still mm. a pretty good number. Yeah. Wow. I'm actually surprised it was that high. Okay, so I was going to start with something that you liked you never heard before, but considering there isn't one of those, um, let's just go ahead and start at the top with Livin' La Vida Loca mm-hmm. by Ricky Martin. Just want to get your quick thoughts, or if you have longer thoughts, we can explore that too, and then I'll give some reaction to your reaction, and we'll try to keep this quick and moving along, but who knows? Who knows yeah. how this will go? It's it, it's a podcast. It's a podcast. Uh, so Livin' La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin. I mean, I wouldn't turn it off if it were on the radio. But I, I wouldn't ever intentionally put it on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a decent bar to clear. I feel like I like that you started with that. I wouldn't turn it off if it came on the radio. For me, at least I use that as a good sign that it's a song that I like. Mm. That's a good way to on tell. On some yeah. level. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I will actively reach over to the radio and change the station when something comes on, that is dislike right there. It is an easy tell that I dislike the song. Because if it's just generically pleasant and it doesn't make me hate it, then it will stay on. So that's mm. that's it. That's the line. Right. But you would not purchase the song. You would not listen to it every morning when you wake up. God, no. <laughs> no. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, as somebody who was in middle school and high school during the 90s, Ricky Martin, for me, this is the song. Like, he was basically a one-hit wonder. I know he has more songs. I understand Ricky Martin fans. He had a better career than that. But as far as I'm concerned, this is the only song of his I could ever possibly name, and it was everywhere for one of those summers. Hmm. Okay. Again, I also find it quite catchy. I would not turn it off if it came on the radio, but I also would not purchase it and never have. Right. Okay, cool. Next, we have Kiss Me by Sixpence None the Richer. Okay. Had you heard this one before? I had heard of it. Um, I didn't know who the artist was. So I was didn't know what to expect. I mean, it's an okay, okay song, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to it. All right. If it came on the radio, would you turn the station? Yes. Okay. So this does not meet that bar. So Sixpence None the Richer's Kiss Me... It was released in 1998, but it really didn't get huge until it was in January of 1999's um, Kiss, uh, sorry, She's All That, a romantic comedy starring Freddie Prince Jr. Who? And, yeah, exactly. And what's her face? What's her name? I know what her name is. Rachel Lee Cook. Thank you. Man, mm-hmm. thank you, the, the Wikipedias, for being so helpful. It was a huge, huge teen movie. Part of the teen movie, just uh, teen movies. What the heck word am I trying to think here? Just a run of them that happened 98 through 99 in 2000. Okay. So it's mostly associated with that movie, which isn't too bad as far as like the teen comedies go. This is actually a movie that is based on a Shakespeare play. Uh, Oh, just kidding on a George Bernard Shaw play Pygmalion and the 1964 film, my fair lady bottom line. It's kind of the start of the trope where it's like, Oh, that girl, she's so ugly. And we'll take her glasses off and comb her hair. Now she's hot. Like that's exactly what this is because it's Rachel Lee cook and she's smoking hot. Even right. the beginning of the film, just because she has glasses, and then they're like, we're going to make fun of her because she's an art nerd and she has glasses. They're like, what are you talking about? She's amazingly attractive. And they're like, makeover, we took off her glasses and gave her a dress. It's like, no, you didn't, no, nope. Nice try. Is it the start of the uh, inner beauty doesn't count? It's what's on the outside that matters? Correct. And that nerds can be made hot if you make them take off their glasses. Yes. Which, debatable. Great trend. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so kiss me. Next, One Week by Bare Naked Ladies. I love this song. So good. <laughs> I know. Isn't it great? <laughs> uh, it's just upbeat and it's happy and it reminds me of summer every time it comes on the radio. 
I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, there are a couple of other Bare Naked Lady songs that I like. Go for it. I, what? Gotta, I gotta look up what they're called. Oh. You could sing them for us. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> List of things that are happening and that not. the zero overlap. Singing Bare Naked Lady songs on the podcast? Not happening. Got it. No, not happening. Everything's gonna be alright. Th- no, is that one? Yeah. Everything's gonna uh, be alright. It's totally Bare Naked Ladies. When we go uh, no, shopping? No, odds are. Odds oh. are. That song. Oh. You heard that song? I don't Do I know that one? I, I can give you a link. I've got it here. Yeah. It's actually, the reason why I know it's in collaboration with like a bunch of Rooster stuff that they did. And oh. the other one is, uh, did I say that out loud? That's how the, like these found their way into my YouTube feed. And then that's how I found them. That's a weird way to find a song, but I like it. YouTube is being stupid. It's not pulling up for me. Oh no. Yeah. These are not the songs I would have guessed. Mm. They're just so fun. It's entirely possible that I know the other songs. I just can't think of them. Yeah. No, that's fine. It's just great. I saw Bare Naked Ladies um, in concert four years ago. Oh. Just here, they came with Guster and Ben Folds 5, or Ben Folds at the time. Sure. did a concert with all three of those bands. And I was like, oh, this is great. And it was. It was amazing. Bare Naked Ladies were a ton of fun. Still rocking. Last time I checked in 2014. Hmm. Okay, good. One week. Big fan. How about Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams. Thumbs down. Wow. Straight up thumbs down. Yeah. Would turn off if came on radio. Yep. Okay, so this represents a big theme in the 90s of love ballads. Right. These were played at every school dance I ever went to my entire life that I can ever remember going to. Brian Adams, this particular song was played. So it reminds me of school. Super, super reminds me of school and being awkward and like feeling insecure. So that's fun. Mm, Okay. But yeah. Not my favorite song. I'll let it play on the radio just for nostalgia purposes, but otherwise, you're right. Eh. Uh, what's the other like? What's the big hit that Brian Adams had? Because I don't. I I'd never really heard of that song. But there's another song of I mean, his that I can think of that is huge. That very well could be. Th- I mean, that song spent 16 nope. consecutive weeks at number one. Nope. Summer of '69. Summer of '69. Yep. That that Brian Adams song I like. And that that to me his that's his big hit. Ah, no, you're I, I, you're probably right. Let's see how this one did on the charts. Yeah, it only reached number 40 on the top track chart when it came out. Well, Summer of 69 is apparently good enough to get its own Wikipedia page. So. It, wait, everything I do and do it for you, it doesn't have its own. It does. Yes, that has its own Wikipedia page, too. <laughs> I mean, ah. Wikipedia page that I'm willing to look at. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on that. I think Summer of 69 is a better song. Mm, yep. It's... I mean, it's a question of preference, right? If you like the sappy love ballads, you're going to go with everything I do, I do it for you. Mm. Somewhere of 69 is just evokes a certain sense of time and place and like him remembering stuff. That's just better and more interesting to listen to, in my opinion. Mm. You said that it got to the 40 on the charts. Um, And when it was released, according to the thing I read, it got to like 40 on the Billboard charts. Yeah. Okay. U.S. mainstream rock tracks, it listed at peak position 40, but U.S. Billboard Hot 100 listed at position five. Oh, I should have kept reading then. Why didn't it lead with that? Fair enough. <laughs> Don't know. But it also to number four in the Netherlands top charts, 14 in Australia, seven in Belgium, seven in New Zealand, Ninth in Norway. So we're top 10 in it all over the world. Yeah. Interesting, because I would kind of consider Summer of 69 as more of an American-centric song than Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Mm, probably, yeah. I mean, I, I just, yeah, I just feel like the love ballad is more generic. It doesn't really try to evoke a sense of time in anything, whereas 60, Summer of 69 is absolutely like small midtown America in 1969. Yes. Yeah, I, anyway, I can agree interesting. With that. Good job, Brian Adams. Way to have an awesome career. Mm. <laughs> mm. All right. Now the song that makes like top two of every best 90s song lists anywhere ever. Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Yeah. It's hard to say no to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you own this one? Do I own it? No. Oh, no, I do. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't own any music, really. Gotcha. Because you are of the millennials. The millennials don't buy music. They stream it. Well, I mean, I pay a subscription, so like, let's be reasonable. Yes. Yeah, yeah, No, I gotcha. I follow you. Yep. So it's funny. I don't know if you know this about Smells Like Teen Spirit, but it was basically Kurt Cobain kind of trying to write a cynical pop song. Okay. Right? He says, I was trying to write the ultimate pop song. I was basically trying to rip off the Pixies. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And so it wasn't even like he was trying to write a Nirvana song. He was just like, ah, I'll just copy this thing that's out there. And it came out 
so incredibly popular, mm. which he didn't, I don't think he expected. He's like, I'm going to try this thing and it maybe it's going to work out. And holy smokes, it did. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd believe it. Okay. Uh, next up, Losing My Religion by R.E.M. I, this song, I can't even give a thumbs up or a thumbs down to. It's just so utterly... I can't evoke any words to talk about this song. I just have no reaction to it. It's white noise. It's so... N- it's white noise. And you know what? It kind of is. It's very much... It doesn't... Uh, it keeps an even keel mm. throughout the song. There aren't super highs or super lows as far as the notes are concerned. The chorus especially is very much... We're going to stay on essentially this same note throughout the whole thing and repeat it four times. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. I like it. I'll keep it on the radio if it comes on. I just feel like it has a good rhythm. It just has a really good flow to it that I can appreciate. Anything else on that one? No? No, No, you have nothing to say. No, No. No, definitely not. (laughs) All right. Uh, Creep by Radiohead. Uh, Thumbs down. Thumbs down for the Radiohead by Wade. Radiohead fans, it is ATSomicron on Twitter. (laughs) Come at me. At him. Yep. Explain why. Uh, I don't know. It just it doesn't. I didn't like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I mean, you could explain it a little bit with REM losing my religion. No, because REM, like, nothing happened, right? Like, it, it was like I heard something, but it didn't, like, go yes or no. This one's just like, no, just turn it off. Just find something that's right. actually appealing. Incredible. Okay, fair enough. I think what this song does for me is kind of captures the teenager sense of boredom and insecurity and really desperately trying to be liked and also trying to act like you don't care about anything. Okay. So again, I was a teenager in the 90s. Kind of speaks to me on that level. This is one of those songs I turned off around the 42nd mark. (sighs) Blasphemy. Sure. Next up, Who Dead Is by Tag Team. Turn that off in the first 10 seconds. (laughs) 10 seconds? I'll be generous. It was at least 15. I wasn't really paying attention. So I guess what this song was to me in the 90s, it was played at every sporting event I went to during the 1990s. It's just, I don't know, for some reason it was on the list of, hey, PA guy, play the song during timeouts. And every guy was like, sure, this is awesome. And they did. Okay. I literally don't think I ever heard it on the radio once. It was always just at sporting events. Mm. Can't explain it. So another reason for me not to like it, sports. Probably. It's associated with a sports ball. Yep. Uh, Loser by Beck. Um, I did listen to it. I already can't remember it, so that should summarize what I feel about it. You got through the whole thing. No. Oh. At least halfway. Okay. Then I turned it off. All right. Why? What does this evoke about your childhood? (laughs) Nothing. Uh. I actually didn't hear this one until well into the 2000s. Somehow I missed it. Okay. Even though it was released in 1993. Of course. Completely missed it somehow. But for me, it's just a head bobber. It comes on and I just like bob my head along to the music. It just kind of has a nice rhythm to it. It's, I don't know, like it says here on the Wikipedia page that it kind of stole a lot from folk music but with hip hop beats behind it. Some Delta blues in there as well so it's just an interesting combination of different music styles it doesn't sound like anything else from the era i think that's why it's interesting to me sure and then there's the ever popular and ever classic line i'm a loser baby so why don't you kill me classic just amazing i'm sure Mm -hmm. all of the teenagers and fourth graders who listen to that song in 1993 just were like wow sure all right moving on i can't attest to what people in 1993 said about a song if you tell me that's that they were like, wow, that's so like amazing to hear on like record for the first time ever. I mean, I have to agree. I can't. I have to be like, okay, that's what you said. They said. What do you want? Yep, what do you, we're moving on. What do you want from me? Nothing. Just say that's interesting, and we'll move on. <laughs> no. I, wow. I, I, I wouldn't. Even, I would. Wow. I would not give that song the classification of at least interesting. Whoosh. Mbop by Hanson. Oh right, you want me to talk? Um, a little bit. Uh, I skipped this one fairly early into its timeline. Was it too upbeat and happy for you, Wade? No, I like upbeat and happy music. What do you want about? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to figure this out. I don't know. It just it. I mean, it comes out of the gates like we are sunshine and rainbows. Let's go. Uh, was it this one? Oh, let me unmute it and listen to it again. Okay, go. Oh yes, this one. I I go to oh, and then I'm like oh yeah. It, the singer sounds like a pack of cats, right? Okay, that's fair. 
I'm not a huge fan. I am not a huge fan of this song. Okay. When I hear the phrase bubblegum pop, which is used to describe music that just has no meaning to it whatsoever and is literally created in a lab to be popular on the radio and appeal to people who don't listen to anything, that's what this is. Mm. Yeah, bubblegum pop. Even, yeah. even I learned something today. Mm-hmm. Of course you did. Yeah. So it was on the radio all the time. Could not escape it. Never came around on it. It doesn't connect to any part of any part of me. It's just bleh. But because it was everywhere, influential. Mm, Sure. They also received a silver play button for their YouTube channel in 2018. (laughs) That's that's the featured photo on their (laughs) Wikipedia page is... Holy crap, look at the number of views they got on YouTube. 100,000. Is that what silver is? No, silver is way more than that. Silver play button is for 100,000 subscribers. Ah, that's what it is. Yeah. Do they still care about sub numbers anymore? I feel like it's just views these days. Internally, YouTube prefers views and watch time, but yeah. uh, externally, they're still... Here's a reward for getting a number of subscribers. I care about it a little bit. I still feel like they should just go to views, because that's really what they care about. Because mm. anymore on the homepage for YouTube, they will not show you your subscribed stuff unless you've been consistently watching it. Like, if you go a couple days without watching some of your channels, it disappears from your homepage. Sure. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. My homepage currently says I should watch more Falcon Paladin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good, good. And then... you've been consistently watching my stuff. Sure. And then Mm -hmm. there's... um, And then everything else is uh, Avril Lavigne, Scared of Boy, Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus, Smash Mouth All-Stars, Spice Girls Wannabe, and Spice Girls Stop. It's because you've been watching 90s er, 90s music videos. Yeah. Yep, see... Not your subscriptions, just what you've been watching. You broke my stuff. I did. I broke your YouTube. Yep. Accidentally, but I kind of like that it makes my point. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, whatever. No, you're right. You are right. Thanks for nothing, Falcon, you jerk. I never used the word jerk, prick. No. Nope, that's true. It's not your word. Next song is Waterfalls by TLC. Uh, I don't like R&B music, so I just didn't listen to it. So you're prejudiced against it the whole time anyway. Sure. Sure. (laughs) okay okay i guess the reason i wanted to pick this one is because that chorus don't go chasing waterfalls stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to has been in my head pretty much consistently since 1995 when it came (laughs) out i don't know what kind of earworm magic they put in this song but it will come into my head un like unbidden unasked for no matter what is going on Mm. all the time i don't know why fair enough I don't even. I don't own it. I listen to it. I will not turn it off if it comes on the radio. It's a good song, mm. but I don't know why this out of everything else has just been stuck in my brain. Someday science will figure this out. I'm sure they will. Yep. But, but today is not that day. Not that day. Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas. Thumbs up. Woohoo! Thumbs up. I especially enjoyed it when I saw Santana live. You did? When was that? Ooh, that I don't know. Uh, I remember being very young. I would say around nine. Six? Nine, okay. I could probably get, like, my brother to tell me because I think what happened is we bought tickets for my dad to go maybe for Christmas, like, or his birthday or Father's Day. And then I was like, oh, them, I like them when dad puts them on. And so they got me a ticket as well. Nice. That's really cool. That's nice they let you go. So Right, right. Do you remember the experience? A little bit, yeah. It was technically the first live band I ever saw. So. Oh, that's not a bad one, honestly. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, sometimes your first band that you saw is embarrassing, and you don't tell the truth. But <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Why? Who was the first band that you saw? Uh, Collective Soul. I'm fairly proud of that. Never heard of it. I know. Here's the thing about Collective Soul. They have about ten songs that are really good, but no, no songs that are great. Mm. And so I didn't put them on the list. <laughs> uh, now based in Atlanta collective soul yeah i don't know if you have some time later today you should probably listen to a couple of their more popular songs but seriously i like collective soul i bought one of their shirts when i went to their concert but uh, they're good not great i buy one of the shirts of every concert i go to pretty much i don't if they're bad i won't do it well i i I wouldn't go to a bad concert like a bad like uh, well i might go and the people they they might not play well right they've been like oh Mm. that, that could have been better but I wouldn't have gone if I didn't think the music wasn't already good. Right. Yeah. 
Makes sense. Logical. Anyway, uh, Santana is an incredible guitarist. I really like a lot of his songs. Rob Thomas is the lead singer for Matchbox 20, who embarked on his own solo career in the mid-2000s. And it was just a good combination of two different lyrical styles, two different music styles, and it just somehow worked Mm. really well. It's the uh, peanut butter and jam of music. Two things that you don't think would go together, but totally do. Exactly. Exactly. Wow, you nailed that. Yeah. Yeah. So it won Record of the Year at the Grammys, Song of the Year at the Grammys, Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals at the Grammys, Number One Hot 100 Hit of the 90s, and the Number Two Hot 100 Hit of the 20th Century overall. So hugely popular. Fair enough. As of 2013, it is ranked the second most successful song of all time by Billboard. So peanut butter and jelly, man. People like it. Mm. Yes, You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. I got like 30 seconds into this, and it just reminded me so heavily, uh, heavily, not heavenly, uh, <laughs> of another song from the show How I Met Your Mother. Which, is, Ooh, which I haven't watched. That was, how did I copy the... You sent me the thing. <laughs> it reminded me of this song from the show How I Met Your Mother, and it's You Ought to Know. Well, I, I should imagine it does remind you of that song, Wade. <laughs> No, okay. I have two tabs <laughs> open and I copied the wrong one. Oh. Shut up. Robin Daggers. Uh, so basically, in How I Met Your Mother, Robin Shabatsky uh, was a teen pop sensation in Canada when she was younger. Yeah. And then she had like yep. one breakout song where she apparently invented grunge and it's that song. She claims to have invented grunge? This is going to be a discussion. In the show, people say that this is the birth of grunge music. She herself does not claim to have invented it. Oh. The fictional show. Within the fictional universe of How I Met Your Mother, this created grunge. Yes. Got it. That's fair. <laughs> so is she just basically trying to be Alanis Morissette? This is what I feel like. Uh, it's entirely possible. Like, she's got the hair, and she's Canadian, and she is wearing the plaid. Like, it's almost at the point of parody, I think. It possibly is. That that was the entire extent of my enjoyment of You Ought to Know. So did you watch How I Met Your Mother and were you entirely unaware of Alanis Morissette when you watched it? Uh, I'd heard the name, but not any of the music. So, yes. Okay, so you didn't Okay, so you didn't see the connection then when you were watching the show. You weren't like, ah, oh, this is being Alanis Morissette. Yeah. So literally, you're unable to look at You Ought to Know outside of the lenses. Hey, this is that thing I saw on that TV show. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. Did you listen to the whole thing? No. It's a really angry song. I'm not sure how much of it you listened to or paid attention to the lyrics. Mm. I did not really. But it's, it is a song to an ex-boyfriend and just like complaining about how much he sucked and stuff like that. And it's really angry. And I kind of have to be in the right mood to listen to it and enjoy it. Right. But if I'm in the right mood, I'll listen to the whole thing. Fair enough. What's funny is that this is labeled as post-grunge on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Sounds pretty grungy. It really does. I don't know what the heck post grunge is. Maybe I'll click and read later. Mm. Sweet. All right. Uh, we're getting through this. Wonderwall by Oasis. Uh, it's okay. I'd heard the song before. Didn't know it was Oasis. Okay. Yeah. We're going to say this is a really ubiquitous song. I'd be shocked if you hadn't heard it at some point in your life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, Radio s- test? Uh, I'd leave it on. I'd leave it on. Me too. Cool. Me too. So what's funny about Wonderwall is it's basically really easy to play on the guitar and sing. Okay. And so for the longest time, like dudes in college and high school would learn it and play it to impress girls. Like if there was one of those dudes <laughs> who used the guitar to get laid, they knew Wonderwall. Guaranteed. Fair enough. Good for them. So that is its impact in 90s culture. Okay. And there's actually a whole meme called, anyway, here's Wonderwall. I've never heard the meme, but okay. I will send you a link. You can be educated at knowyourmeme.com. Such a good website. One of my favorite examples is, have we talked about the George Washington paintings where people add captions? Nope. So there's a series of paintings of George Washington and his life that are made by like legit artists. They're historical in nature. Mm. And somebody went through them all and just added... <laughs> captions in comic sans mind you of course so here's one anyway. i love these so very very much 
<laughs> anyway, here's Wonderwall. So it's so easy to play. Everyone can do it. And when they get like requests, they just go, anyway, here's Wonderwall. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Or if you're having a conversation, you're just like, this is boring. And I have my guitar. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. You sent the Wait, same image twice. <laughs> it sure did. <laughs> All right. So Wonderwall. It's a good one. Uh, offspring. Why don't you get a job? Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Had you heard it before? Of course. Obviously, because you give it two thumbs up. <laughs> yes, yes. I've I forgot heard, that part. I heard Offspring before. <laughs> yes, it's just upbeat and awesome, and I can sing the whole thing along with the radio. Mm. It brings me such joy. It's good. Thoroughly enjoy it. 1998. Oh, the years. The years are going. <laughs> Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart. I can pretty much guess where you're going with this one. I don't like R&B, so... That's the one. Love ballad, R&B style. Again, played at every dance I ever went to in my entire life. Which mm. is weird, because it's not... I guess it's kind of a love song. Okay. She explained when she wrote Unbreak My Heart as a ballad and a dance song, it's because that's the way she heard it. And she said some people only know it as a gay dance song. <laughs> what? It's a uh, weird quote. That is a very weird quote. It certainly is. Thanks, Wikipedia, for giving us that weird quote. Mm-mm. Spin journalist Charles Aaron positively reviewed the song and said, This exquisitely crafted, heart-pumping love song has been droning in the produce department of my grocery store for about a year now. But i just like to go on record as saying that if it ever stops, I'll really be heartbroken. <laughs> oh, Charles, you scamp. Sure. Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden. I don't like Savage Garden. Wow. How many of their songs have you listened to? One. All right. So you don't like this song, therefore the entire everything sucks. <laughs> no, I, I they're a band that I've heard of before, and every now and then I'll hear a song. So, so here's the thing: I can't tell what songs I've actually heard by their titles. <laughs> uh, so I'd actually have to go through and listen to all of their songs again to then tell you why I don't like them. But I just I'm not willing to do that. Yeah, well, if you have to listen to them again and know what they are, it means they didn't make an impression the first time you heard them. So, mm, yeah. Bump. Yeah, I'm not a big fan either. But the reason this song has special meaning to me is that there was this kid who had a crush on my little sister all through high school. Uh huh. And he gave her a mixtape because that was a thing when we were kids. And the first song on the tape was this one, Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden. And it just makes me laugh every time. <laughs> okay. Um, it worked out. Now we're going to finish off with two stunners. Are they married now? <laughs> They're not. No, she was not interested. So the mixtape did not work. It absolutely did not work. Fair enough. So don't try that, guys. <laughs> or girls listening. I mean, <clears throat> at this point, if you hand someone a mixtape, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Truth. Like, what is this rectangle of plastic you're handing me? Hmm. Is it a fridge magnet? Oh, it makes me sad. Is it a fridge magnet? Can I use it as a doorstop? Maybe. Maybe. All right. We've got Always Be My Baby by Mariah Carey. Thumbs down. Yeah, I could guess, based on the way this conversation has been going. <laughs> so bottom line, I kind of feel like Mariah Carey owned the 90s in a lot of ways. She has an incredible range in her voice. She won five Grammy Awards, um, 14 Billboard Music Awards, has several hits throughout the 90s here, and was just everywhere all the time in the 90s, and I'm sure, uh, I don't know, she made her mark, basically. It's always funny when I hear people make statements about how oh this person so in, was so influential they left their mark on the world and from where i'm sitting i can't see their mark it's amazing that, that the world's like that that is an excellent point hmm gotta think about that one and finally baby one more time by britney spears i can't believe you made me watch this did you get through the whole thing you made me play a weeaboo long live the queen game fair fair play you had fun with that though you didn't have fun with hit, uh, Baby One More Time? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. God, no. All right. All right. Fair enough. I got a headache. Uh, all, I listened to all the songs in a row, and this one gave me a headache. Oh, well, I'm glad you didn't have a headache until that point. That's a good sign. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I feel better about this experience if you didn't have a headache until the last one. You gave me a headache. I didn't give you a headache. <laughs> How do you know? Maybe I just didn't complain about it. Maybe I sucked it up because I'm a man. <laughs> oh, sir. 
complaining oh. complaining about pain is unmanly now, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Thanks for informing me. Mm-hmm. You're an Australian. You're cool with it. Probably. All right. So did you get through the whole thing? Yes, I listened to Had you heard it before? <laughs> yes, I'd heard it before. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's just... This, to me, is the bubblegum pop music that you were talking about. It's, it is. Yeah. It's just... <clears throat> So boring. So yeah, I guess the reason I added this one to the list is because it is another one of those songs that was spite. written by somebody who's a professional spite, professional song writer who knows how to write things that make it to the top of the of the charts, right? Mm. <clears throat> and then you just find a pretty face who can kind of sing and he auto tune it a little bit, and you've got a hit. Probably. So there you go. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nineteen ninety nine on the tail end I- of. Okay. The 90s. So the guy who wrote Baby One More Time is Max Martin, right? Yes. And just a, like a cursory look at his Wikipedia page shows you that he knows how to write like number one hits. He's working with or has worked with Backstreet Boys, Westlife, Britney Spears, Celine Dion, Kelly Clarkson, The Veronicas, Pink, Usher, Avril Lavigne, Jesse J, Katy Perry, Christina Aguilera, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, and the others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's Swedish. Oh, cool. That's, I mean, that's nice. Somehow, some way, this Swedish guy is the most influential songwriter in history. Incredible. Yeah. But yeah, he absolutely knows. It's a formula, right? At some point, it kind of becomes math a little bit. It wouldn't surprise me if it basically was like math to him. It's like, oh, you just got to have the right variable of numbers. Mm-hmm. It's a recipe. You just add this to this and tap this in and tap into this thing that's popular right now and twist it a little bit and you're good. Have you seen the video of uh, a person like playing music with their pencil as they write out math formulas no all right. sounds interesting all right so the one that i heard was the imperial march hmm. now I, I don't i'm not saying that the math formulas actually make sense but they're doing it to make certain notes not rather than actual mathematical connotations oh no i have seen this i forgot about it though <laughs> it's so good i know and then there's uh, a person who makes music by playing it on a calculator. Okay. I got to watch this one again. Wait, so how does this one work? Uh, so there's a bit of a lead up and I don't know what they're doing, but skip to like... I'm at 25 seconds. It's starting. Yeah. How is he... I guess he found a calculator that plays different notes based on what keys you press mm. because for some reason that's a thing. <laughs> yes. And just figured out how to turn these into a piano. Pretty much. <laughs> That's fantastic. Why would you spend the time to do this? I don't understand. <laughs> 3.1 million views. That's it. That sweet, sweet YouTube money. Is this even monetized? It would be. I believe so, yeah. I mean, All right. why would you not monetize it? I don't know, man. There are some videos out there, like uh, the Bill Wirtz videos, History of the World, History of Japan. He doesn't have ads on those. Anyway, I'm enthralled by the calculators. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> We're done with that. Done with yep. the, the world is an amazing place. People are incredible. Sure. All right, cool. So that was our journey through 1990s music with Wade and Falcon Paladin. Let's I think Wade liked four again. of them. Yeah. Four of them's about right. Yeah, see? Accurate. Four, five, six. Six. Sure. All right, next up, you want to go from the happiness of music to the James Gunn experience? Uh, James Gunn. Right. The guy who was going to be making... Guardians 3 has now been fired by Disney. Who did make Guardians 1 and 2, mind you. He did make Guardians 1 and 2. Who knows what Guardians 3 will be like. Because who's going to direct it? We don't know. Mm. All right, so here's the weird thing. Basically, somebody dug through his Twitter history and found him, found some of Gunn's, Wikipedia calls them inappropriate tweets Gunn had written between 2008 and 2009, mainly jokes relating to rape and pedophilia. These are not great. Even if you look at them through the lens of this is supposed to be humor, it's really not great. It's not funny. It's not dark humor. It's just like, what are you trying to do here, dude? Mm. That's my takeaway anyway. What is your take? My take is if this is what he thought was funny then, that's great. But I can't prove that he thought those were funny or if they're supposed to be legitimate. He, he put out a statement on it, which is earlier in his career, he made uh, intentionally controversial statements to basically for attention like to try to be provocative to raise his profile yeah yeah and if that's what he was trying to do then that's what he was trying to do but i can't prove it one way or the other unfortunately right so here's my thing these were posted 
on Twitter to the public in 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy came out in 2014. Yes. That would be my next point, which is <laughs> if it was still continuing today, I'd be surprised that it didn't even make Guardians of the Galaxy 1. And that when it gets something gets to be about 10 years old on the internet, you should really start looking at more recent patterns of behavior for whether or not you should fire your director. 10 years is a long enough time that for someone to have changed the way that they engage in humor and on a public platform. Right. See, that's the thing. Like, if this was a pattern of behavior that came up to, like, today or last year or a couple years ago, Mm. it'd be more understandable. I just... I don't know if I like this trend of going back through what people have posted on Twitter many, many, many years ago and saying, look what was said. We need to apply that to today. It's hard. It is really hard for me. That said, it's not like these were received well in 2008. (laughs) Sure. Right? It's not like he was making these rape jokes in 2008. America was like, yeah, you get it, James Gunn. This is awesome. <laughs> so it's not like we can say the culture like the culture was different back then. You can't apply today's culture to that one. I think the difference is there's a culture of backlash today. It's much greater that you can just find something that someone said some point online and have it be have them held responsible for it. Correct. Right. I, like, I don't, I mean, what happened in 2008 after he said it, people would have been like, oh, that's not funny. That's fucked up, dude. Did anything happen? I really wish we could see the original tweets and see what the responses to it were, but he deleted all of them. Too late, dude. Nice try. (laughs) (laughs) Almost to the point that if you start sniffing fame at all, if you start sniffing success at all, just delete your Twitter account. Just wipe everything out as soon as you start getting there. Just because you never know. You never know how these things are going to be received in the future. Also, maybe don't ever joke about rape and pedophilia. Just, just to be on the yeah. safe side. It's like if you're a stand-up comedian who's known for having a very edgy thing. And like James Gunn is not a stand-up comedian. If you're going... No. Like, I mean, I've heard Jimmy Carr make, I think, rape and pedophilia jokes at least once when I've seen some clips of his. And it works because you know he's just up there to make an audience laugh. And they're all there probably drinking, probably having a good time. And they know what they're in for. Yeah, they know what they're in for. When you just like... Twitter is like standing on a public balcony and yelling obscenities (laughs) yes and people don't know who you are people likely don't have any idea what your sensibilities are and it's just it's a really bad idea yes so he's out which i don't know i enjoyed the guardians of the galaxies movies are okay by me i'm still annoyed by the ending of guardians one what happened to the end which i think we talked about well, so what's his face? Purple dude, the villain of the whole film, is Running. literally inches away from stabbing a staff into the ground and destroying this world. And he somehow distracted by dance. takes his eye off the ball because Chris Pratt starts dancing. I mean, Chris Pratt's a good looking dude, wouldn't you? Stop whatever you're doing if he was just dancing. But it wasn't that, by golly, Chris Pratt is handsome. It's a what the hell is this human doing? I'm going to take a quick break for my ultimate victory. To look at him and cock my eyebrow. It's the dumbest, dumbest thing. I hate it so much. I have no problem with that. Well, good. I'm glad you don't. Because I sure do. We can balance each other in the universe. (laughs) Seeing someone stop what they're doing because someone else is doing something incredibly unexpected, I think is very typical in action movies. Okay, but this is like you're playing baseball and you hit the ball really far and you're rounding third base and you're basically about to step on home plate but somebody on the front row starts doing the macarena and you stop what you're doing put both feet on the ground and look over not even remotely and then get tagged and then you get tagged out Uh, i don't think that's remotely the same did my baseball metaphor get you confused a little baseball no i don't know baseball dang it it's like cricket and (laughs) i don't know cricket you're rounding the bait son of a 10 pin bowling it's like um starcraft how is it like starcraft it's like you're you're playing starcraft and you're in a base race and you're down to your last command center and you're about to kill your opponent's nexus and it's a race against time and you're attacking it and they're attacking yours and you're about to finish it off but then something in the next room a cat meows and you're like what is that kitty doing and you stop attacking the nexus and stand there for five seconds and lose the game 
stupid. No, not stupid. Because here's the thing. If you're in a base space with someone else in StarCraft, and then you hear, say, a window break, you don't go, oh, well, let me just quickly finish this game. You go check on what the hell broke, because someone might be breaking into your house. But even then... Yeah, that's I, not what it, this is. That's, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm saying your metaphor is dumb, and you're going the wrong way with it. <laughs> the difference is between Guardians of the Galaxy and in StarCraft it would be... Well, the similarity between them would be uh, if you're in a base race, and then your opponent types something in chat and forces you to respond... Or you choose to respond, slowing down what you're doing to respond. That's what he did. He did something unexpected that forced him. Didn't force him, but he chose to respond because it was unexpected. Yeah, and it's, he lost the game, and it was stupid. He was stupid for doing it. But I mean, people are stupid. Like that's why the heroes won. The heroes won because the villain they were fighting was dumb. Yeah, that's not a good movie. I don't like that. No, well, it doesn't make the entire movie bad. It makes that scene bad. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, fair enough. The rest of the movie is very fun, and I like it. But man, the ending of things can really taint the overall experience. Mm. And then Guardians 2 is fine. I mean, it didn't have the deus ex machina of what the heck, why did they win again? They actually put some effort into it, which was nice. Mm. Uh, Baby Groot is a wonderful entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, it's all right. Groot's a little over right. yeah. The opening scene of Guardians 2 where they're fighting the big tentacle monster and everyone's getting their butt kicked and Groot is just dancing mm. in the general area is so good. It's such a wonderfully shot scene. I would yeah. watch that over and over. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. My favorite thing to ever come out of the Guardians of the Galaxy is someone in like the high school got a, a like a, a assessment or a task or something through over the weekend where they had to f- make a uh, resume based on a member of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. And they li- literally just pretended to be Groot and wrote, I am Groot for everything. Like, it's just a page of I am oh. Groot. <laughs> How'd that go? I have no idea. Such as things on the internet. Oh. Yeah. I assume it was probably well received because it would technically be the most accurate you could possibly do for impersonating a fictional yeah. character. Very true. Reminds me of the, I mean, this is an old meme, but basically some kids give an assignment in high school. Hmm for history pretend you're a recent chinese immigrant in america explain in your own thoughts what you're feeling what you're afraid of and stuff <laughs> and he writes and in the chinese. kid writes the response out in chinese yeah yeah i love that i mean that's old that's been around for a long time same concept yeah, yeah. anyway point being uh he's out he's out on guardians mm-hmm. three yes uh he's married to jenna fisher oh divorced oh okay divorced in 2008 who's jenna fisher She's Pam on The Office. <laughs> okay. The U.S. version of The Office. Uh, sure. Have you not watched The Office? No. You've seen Friends 18 times and you haven't watched <laughs> The Office. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. I kind of know who this person is. Okay. Why should I watch The All Office? All right. It's good. Yeah. Uh, for a little more than I that. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Give it a shot. The earlier seasons especially are very much more in line with the British version of The Office, which is Ricky Gervais going for awkward humor. If he can make the audience feel embarrassed and awkward for the person on the screen, he's won. Mm. Cringe humor, yeah. Cringe humor. There's a lot of that in the British office, and the first couple seasons of The American Office go for that, and then they kind of settle into their own thing where it's less cringe, but still, still a lot of it. All right, so yeah, James Gunn is out. Everybody, delete your Twitters. Never tweet anything again because this could happen to you. Also, don't rape. Don't joke about rape. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On that note, Super Mario World. <laughs> Super Mario World. All right. So I mentioned on the podcast, I think that I got a Super Nar- a Nintendo Entertainment System Classic for Father's Day. Mm-hmm. One of the games that comes with it is the amazing Mario game, Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. So as someone who did not grow up with a Super Nintendo and only ever played it at friends' houses or at Toys R Us, or I think my dentist had a Super Nintendo, you could play it while you were waiting for your appointment. Wow, that's cool. I never sat down and played through Super Mario World. So I'm doing that for the first time with my kids, which is a lot of fun. Okay. The kids are having a great time. Uh, and it's just been a really interesting experience, just the way the game is designed. Like Super Mario 3 for the Nintendo had warp whistles, but it was fairly straightforward in its progression. Okay. 
Um, and Super Mario World, though, has a lot of alternate paths. Like, there is this one level that we figured out pretty quickly. You could get different endings based on something, and we couldn't figure out what. We'd play through the level a few times, and sometimes it'd be this ending where there's a key that leads you into a secret part of the map and lets you skip all this stuff and get to a castle you wouldn't otherwise be able to access. And sometimes you do the level and it just ends normally. Mm. And sometimes you do the level and the final screen has eight of those football guys that for some reason exist in Super Mario World. Okay. So I looked into it and bottom line, there are like eight conditions of how you play the first two screens on the level. They're like if-then statements written into the code that determines how the rest of the level plays out. Right. Like one of them is if you beat the first two screens uh, with more than 250 seconds remaining on the timer, you get the secret ending. Mm. If you collect 25 coins and the first screen, you get this ending. If you collect between 19 and 20 or 22 coins, you get this ending. If you collect between five and 16 coins, it's this ending. It's just really, I'd never seen that before. I never, um, at least I never paid attention enough in the other Mario games that I played to see that particular mechanic. Uh, be mm-hmm. be a thing but it's just been really really fun to go back and play i guess this is a very 90s centered podcast today mm. yeah i suppose mm-hmm. have you played the super mario world no well thanks for listening to my story no worries <laughs> <laughs> so you wanted to talk about jurassic world today something i did i went and saw it last night oh okay so i went and saw it last night i got home at like 9 30 so i was probably in bed by 10 i slept to 11 30 this morning <laughs> Oh, that sounds glorious. That sounds so glorious. Give me some of that. (laughs) Uh, Which means I woke up about, you know, three hours ago, and I'm still kind of like, I could go back to bed, you know? Oh, that yes, for sure. You should go back to bed. I'm seriously considering it. So when I was like, what should we talk about today? You're like, Jurassic World, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. You haven't seen it. Yeah, so we can't really talk about it. Are you planning on seeing it? Because I remember you telling me Mrs. Paladin was kind of interested in it. Uh, boy. Maybe when it comes out on yes. streaming or something? Probably. I mean, the thing is, my wife's in this big opera program this month, and so she is just not home. She leaves uh-huh. early. She gets back late. Okay. So you don't have to really have time for anything. Uh, But yeah, maybe in August. Okay. Maybe in August. We'll go catch it at the cheap theaters if it's there, or maybe it will be on streaming services or Redbox by then. Okay. I mean, would you recommend it? What? I, I would recommend it if you enjoyed the last, like, four Michael Bay Transformers movies. Oh, no. That's not great, because I haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty terabad. I mean, I'm okay with you talking about what you hated about this movie if you want. Things I hated about this movie? Okay, so yeah. do you remember the original Jurassic Park movies where they, like, save a bunch of dinosaurs and take them to, like, San Francisco or whatever? And they get out and they're in the city. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's that plus the last Jurassic World movie where they invent a new dinosaur. It's literally those two plot lines combined. Hmm. We have to save a bunch of dinosaurs. Oh, but they built a new one. Through genetics. Through genetics, yes. Ah, bummer. Kind of, yeah. Okay, well, I probably won't see it then. I don't know. If the wife really wants to see it, I will. But I'm not going to push it. Fair enough. It's reasonable. Okay, good. Good stance. Additionally, we're going to debate cookie dough. Are we? So, I mean, it depends. It depends on where you stand on it. Yeah, that's the thing. It depends on where you stand. Because I, under no circumstances, will eat cookie dough. <gasps> there we go. And see, I love cookie dough. You're a horrible human being. Yay! Conflict! <laughs> All right, so here's my experience with cookie dough growing up. Growing up, cookie dough was fine. We'd eat it. We wouldn't eat a lot of it, because my mom would make us save a whole, most, the vast majority of it for cookies, obviously. We just tried to go to town on the cookie dough and ate the whole thing. She'd probably kill us. So we never did that. Mm. But we ate it. And then it came out that cookie dough has salmonella because it's raw eggs in there, you stupids. And we said, oh, man, you're right about that. And I didn't eat raw cookie dough for a while. And then I said, what are the chances, honestly? And I went back to eating cookie dough. What are the chances? And then you just did it. <laughs> yeah. Chances can't be good. Can't, chances can't be bad either. Probably not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Probably higher than me winning the lottery. Uh, yeah, that I would agree with. Mm-hmm. 100%. So do you not eat it because you think it's gross? I don't eat it because I think it's just, like, I think cookies are just better. Having it after they're baked yeah. is just better. So I have an inferior but it's a product. Because it's a different thing. No. 
It's just an inferior version of what you're eating. It's like saying eating cream and milk aren't the same thing. They're essentially the same thing, and one is way better than the other one. Yeah, but you would never drink milk? No, I'd only drink milk. I wouldn't just have cream. I'm backwards on your example here. Okay, well, the example is backwards. In the cookies, it's the end product that's better, but in the milk and cream, the milk is the better one. Because it's milk and cookies, (laughs) not cookie dough and cream. Okay, but what about it's like this? Uh, McDonald's hamburgers are okay. I'll eat them. They're good. But like a hamburger from Five Guys, which is a restaurant here, I would much rather prefer that. But I won't never eat McDonald's just because Five Guys is better. No, because you can't take a McDonald's burger and then make it into a Five Guys burger. You can take cookie dough and turn it into a perfectly good cookie. Just apply heat, Hmm. literally. True fact. True, true fact. That said, patience is required. What if you can't wait? What if you can't wait the 12 minutes in the oven for it to cook and you want that delicious sugary chocolatey goodness now? Hmm? Then you need to reevaluate whether or not you should be eating cookies. (laughs) Because if you can't wait 12 minutes to get a perfectly good cookie, there's a good chance eating cookie dough is not your only problem. (laughs) All right. I will reevaluate my cookie eating habits just for you. Thank you. And obviously, triple chocolate chips are way better than just the regular chocolate chips. Uh, yes, more chocolate chips, the better, for sure. Exactly. And it helps if it's good chocolate, because mm. you can get chocolate chips that are garbage. Don't get those. Try and stick with, like, Cadbury's. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Splurge for the good chocolate chips, please. Yeah. Oh, man. Good. I was in 7-Eleven the other day, and they have, like, um, Hershey's chocolate bars. And I'm like, oh, God, that's yep. gross. Why would we have those yep. here? Have you had them before? I've had a Hershey's, yeah. Where? Uh, there was like a custom like import chocolate store. Oh, that's so sad. Pay a premium for this Hershey's chocolate bar. <laughs> I mean, it was like a dollar, but... Oh, all right. And then the house had like Yorkie bars and a whole bunch of other stuff. I think they had like Reese's peanut butter cups, stuff like that. Those are good. Did you, try, did you try those? I mean, I tried those on the podcast. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. I don't remember the Yorkie bars. I, I just remember Hershey bars tasting like wax. <laughs> yes, it's bad chocolate. Yeah. It's just the power of marketing, man. Yeah, I suppose. And just like cater to people with less money, cheaper products, sell more. Yeah, but it's not like good chocolate is that much more expensive, really. I mean, really good chocolate can be expensive, but I'm not saying people need to go out and buy like the $40 box of chocolate. No, definitely not. Don't use that for cookies. That's weird. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, GSL versus the world predictions. Let's get some StarCraft in here before we wrap yeah, up, just yeah, for the people yeah, who are here for the yeah, StarCraft. Yep. Yeah. Let me pull up the bracket. Oh, that's so fun. So fun. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Maru, Sue, Showtime, Zest, Stats, Cyan, Special, Has... Cero. Kaliza, Rogue, Innovation, Nibdug, Classic, and Scarlet. Yep, that's wonderful. Would you like to place any bets? Well, here's the weird thing. Mm. Scarlet showed up to the Gauntlet Global Open this Mm. week. Yep. And got 2-0'd by a fellow Zerg player from Brazil I'd never heard of. Mm. Eric, yes. Uh Uh-huh. That guy with a K. Eric with a K. Mm -hmm. So, I I don't know. I don't know what to expect from scarlet but i don't feel super confident about her chances here just based on that alone i mean i feel like she can beat classic I, okay i don't know if she can beat neeb neeb or dark or dark right yeah, yeah so i'm not confident on her chances but i said who would you place a bet on not who wouldn't you place a bet on? oh i know i'm just trying to process of, of elimination here i mean it's got to be maru right maru is still killing it yeah has he shown any signs of being human recently no okay (laughs) not even remotely i mean sue's really good we like sue but Mm. he's not maru and showtime and zest are the same thing Mm. here's the thing if sue beats maru all right like in the round of 16 uh he's obviously going to lose in the grand finals (laughs) which i just don't know if he can take it (laughs) because that is that is tradition that is tradition yeah i think that other bracket is scarier i think the right side of it is it Serral, Rogue, Innovation, Neeb, and Dark, and mm-hmm. Scarlet? Holy crap! I mean, Serral versus Kelza. Who do you reckon? Serral. Serral, yeah. Serral's way better. And then the World Champion or Innovation? Innovation hasn't been playing that well recently. I'd put my money on Rogue there for sure. Serral, Serral, Rogue. ZVG is just so coin flippy. I don't mm. feel like if you're better than the person you're playing, 
Like if you have an edge, it really matters in ZVZ. I just don't feel like it does. If you're way better, sure, you're going to win. But yeah, I don't know that either of those players are way better than the other one. Mm. At least not right now. I mean, I think Rogue has the upper hand. Mm-hmm. But Serral's done very well on the Korean ladder playing against Koreans. It's not just these WCS foreigner events that he's winning. Yeah. Neeb Dark. I'm going to have to go with Dark there, I think. Yeah, especially I think Neeb just lost to Dark in the GSL. Mm. Uh, round of 32 that they're on? Uh, I forget. So that's a rough draw for him then. Yeah. Yeah. And then Scarlet beats Classic. And then we go probably Dark there over Scarlet. So we'll have a Dark. Probably Rogue. So many Zs. So many Zs, Wade. So many Zs. We talked about this on the Open. I'm a Z. I like when Z is strong. But ZVZ is the worst mirror matchup. I'd rather watch a TBT and a PvP any day of the week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so just for that, can we just nerf Zerg a little bit? Like, it's weird that I'm asking Blizzard for this, but guys, please, for the sake of casting and watching other people play, nerf Zerg. How would you nerf Zerg to make ZVZ more interesting? You wouldn't. It just makes ZVZ less frequent. By having less Zergs. Yeah, having less (laughs) Zergs win and move on to the next rounds, and less representation overall. So rather than fix the problem, you would rather just have those players lose. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how to make ZVZ interesting. Uh, I mean, don't. Okay, here's what they did. It Look. used to be Muta versus Muta back in Heart of the Swarm. That's all anybody ever did because it was the best way to win. Okay. They fixed that. It's not Muta versus Muta anymore, but now it's Ling Bane Ling. Mm-hmm. It, can ob- it can end in that stage very easily. It's Roach versus Roach. It can end in that stage very easily. What they did fix was, eventually, there's reason to go for Tier 3. If the game gets past the 15-minute mark, you're going to start to see Infestors and Hiders and Lurkers and Ultras and all sorts of great stuff. Mm-hmm. But it so rarely gets there, and it takes so long to get there. It's better than Muta versus Muta for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. but not by much. How about we implement a ZBZ 5-minute no-rush tile? <laughs> Where you, you, you <laughs> cannot make anything other than drones and queens, but they can't attack until the five-minute mark. Well, but then it's just roach versus roach. I think no. we just go into roach battles at that point. No, but you like, do you think in five minutes a pro gamer could take every base on the map? Yeah, absolutely. Left entirely alone? Yeah. 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 So you, you, you instantly... It's like starting the game with everyone on four bases, and then instantly going into, like, infester, corruptors, vipers, all that fun stuff. That would be my Maybe. Plan, my plan. I hear what you're saying. I mean, there's no way to get anyone to agree to a five minute in a rush time. No, no, it'd be crazy. Yeah, it'd be crazy stupid. But I gotta do something. They gotta do something. I mean, at least Terran versus Terran, you have bio and mech as viable strategies for both. Yeah. Yep. And then you have Maru style, which is I don't know, make some of everything, <laughs> which is great. Let's do more of that. More units, the better. All right. So, what do you, who do you think is gonna take the entire thing? Maru. Yeah, it's gotta be Maru. Gotta be Maru. I'm I'm so excited mm-hmm. to see what Haas is going to do, but I still think Mara is going to win. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. Especially, again, considering the right side of the bracket is much weaker than the left side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, no, no, sorry. The right side is much stronger than the left side. I misspoke there. Yeah. Should be fun, though. Mm. Thanks, Africa TV, for broadcasting that. Yeah. It's going to be so good. Not that you'll watch, but, you know. Nope, probably not. When is it, though? Uh, August, August 2nd through 5th. 5th. Yeah. Which is... Let me pull up the calendar calendar looks real empty you know what i can't get these replays anyway Mm. wait can i are these released no i don't think these were released last time i don't think these get released okay so in that case i don't have a reason not to watch them i'll watch this just for you Hmm. depending on what time they're at you could do a um like a group watch kind of thing with people on discord where you like basically everyone just sits in a chat room and talks about what they see it's like a viewing party that's the word yeah that sounds like a lot of fun yeah what times are these going to be played? Because if it's like during my work hours, that throws that whole plan out the window. Yeah, no, I have no clue. Do we know where it's going to be? Oh, I can figure this out. It's going to be in Korea. Crap. Time's not going to work. Well, Ooh. late night though, right? Yeah, it'll be late night. 9 a.m. is 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay, cool. I'll sacrifice some sleep. Maybe we'll do a, we'll do a viewing party. Try to figure that out. Yeah, maybe. Nice. Nice. Nice, nice. 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 Starcraft. Starcraft discussed. We really do love Starcraft, you guys. Couldn't believe us. Yeah. Mm hmm. All right, cool. Well, is there anything else we need to get to today? No. No, I don't think so. Unless you desperately need an NBA minute. 
I really don't. There's been a couple things, but nothing major. I think we're okay. cool. Okay, cool. Sweet. All right, well, that's going to be it for the Falcon Paladin Hour for the week of July 22nd. Thank you for watching. Thanks for listening. Not watching because you can't watch this. Thanks for listening, though, whether on your commute or just while you're doing chores or whatever. Really appreciate it. Again, feel free to leave us a review in iTunes. It kind of helps us get some more visibility if we have good ratings and good comments. And what we're going to do, we've done this in the past, but if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, we'll go ahead and read those out. We'll read them on the air. So if you want a little bit of some fame, a little bit of love, give us a review. Be honest about it. And we will see if we agree with your review or not. Sure. Yeah. Wade's on board. All right. Again, feel free to uh, support the podcast on Patreon. There's a link in the show notes. Also, there is some merch if you're interested in supporting us that way and representing the Falcon Paladin Hour wherever you are. And until next time, as always, thank you so much for being here. And you take care of yourself. Thanks, Omicron. Die in a fire.